Improving the health of our community through compassion and excellence in healthcare services, Henry Mayo Newhall Hospital brings you another informational podcast. It's Your Health Radio. Here's Melanie Cole. Advanced care planning is not just about old age. At any age, a medical crisis could leave you too ill to make your own health care decisions. And planning for health care in the future is such an important part and step toward making sure you get the medical care you would want. My guest is Mae Ronsi. She's the Palliative Care Program Navigator at Henry Mayo Newhall Hospital. May, what is advanced care planning and why is this so important, really at any age and even for younger people to consider? Hi, good morning, Melanie. Uh, yes, um, advanced healthcare planning is so important because it allows you as the patient to put your medical wishes and desires down into paper and on writing um, so that we as healthcare professionals know what to do or what not to do for you if you come into point of crisis or um, some kind of a trauma where you cannot speak for yourself. So essentially, it's your voice on paper so that we know how to treat you when you come in in a difficult situation. So then what is an advanced directive? People don't know what this is. They hear about end-of-life care and they hear about, you know, a living will and an advanced directive. They don't know the difference between all these things, May. Kind of clear it up for us a little bit. Sure. So a, a living trust is something that you would um, execute with an attorney, um, and, and that addresses more than just your medical health care decisions. That would address your real estate, your finances, your banking, et cetera. Uh, an advanced healthcare directive is specific to your healthcare, um, and this is recommended for anybody over the age of 18. Um, and what it does is it allows you to name two decision makers, and in some cases three decision makers, if you're unable to speak for yourself. So in the instance where if I was to have a motor vehicle accident and I'm deemed unconscious, I have listed my husband and my sister as my decision makers for uh, my medical health care, and that's all they have authority to do on an advanced health care directive, unlike a living trust, which allows you to appoint somebody to be your attorney in fact or your um, somebody who can make decisions for you in regards to your banking needs, your real estate, your finances. So... In the advanced healthcare directive, you can appoint those two people to make decisions for you in regards to CPR and life support, uh, feeding tubes, um, even as far as in my advanced healthcare directive, I've even laid out how I would like to be cremated, um, et cetera, um, how even songs you want played at your funeral. Um, and some people will go to those um, extents in their advanced healthcare directives. May, picking somebody to be that healthcare proxy, picking somebody to follow those wishes is not an easy decision. Also, getting started with that conversation. Some people, whether you're the one looking to make your advance directive or you are maybe the child of an aging parent and you want to start this discussion, that's a difficult part. Some people don't want to talk about this. How do you recommend to people? To, to discuss this. I, I absolutely agree. Um, actually, I, I have a lecture that I've taught. It's called Let's Talk um, because it is an, a very important discussion, but it's also a very difficult one. 
um, I think it's important that you do have the conversation with your family and, and let them know that these are decisions that I have made for myself um, so that they understand that it's not anything, not a burden that you're putting on them, but these are your decisions that you're putting down into writing. It's also important that you pick your healthcare uh, proxy to be somebody that you trust to be able to carry out those wishes for you and that it isn't going to change the course of your plan um, if um, they're pressured by other family or they get scared. Um, so you want to make sure it's somebody that you trust will be able to carry out your wishes for you. But at the same time, they, they can't be expected to carry out those wishes if the conversation isn't had with them. So I completely agree with you. I think it's very important to be able to complete those forms with your proxies so that they know exactly what your wishes are um, so that you can tell them, this is why I've chosen this. And these these are the things that I would hope you'd be able to carry out for me. So it is such an important discussion. And when you are discussing it, what decisions? You mentioned CPR and some other things a little bit earlier. What decisions is it that we're talking about that you want to discuss, whether it's, you know, the use of, of life support, ventilator, removing that sort of thing, advanced measures to keep you alive? What are those decisions that you are talking about? Right. So with some of the decisions that you can make, um, and there's varying forms um, throughout um, California and other states. So you, depending on the form that you've selected to complete, either with an attorney or, or just going online and looking up the five wishes form, um, most of them are pretty standard in that they do ask, do you want your life prolonged? That's the first question that's usually asked. And that would mean yes, I want my life prolonged, meaning you would want CPR and you would want life support, um, or no. Um, the next question would be in regards to organ donation um, and how you feel about if you had an untimely death and you, you're, you were a candidate to donate organs, is that something you would be interested in doing? Um, feeding tubes and artificial nutrition and hydration. Um, if, if you can't be fed by mouth, do you want a surgically implanted tube into your stomach um, to give you nutrition and hydration? And those are some of the things that that form addresses. Some other forms will also ask um, how you would want your remains to be handled. Do you want an autopsy? Some of them get very detailed. So it's very important that you answer all those questions and try not to leave any of those answers blank because then you're really leaving it up to other people to make those decisions for you. Well, that's a good point to make. So how does somebody get started? And also speak about the difference between an advanced directive and a physician order for life-sustaining treatment, what PULST is. Great. So and it, so you can get an advanced directive online um, and print it, print it out. An advanced directive does require you to either have it notarized or to be signed by two unnamed witnesses. So your proxy one and proxy two cannot be your witnesses signing um, on uh, to legalize the advanced directive. Uh, so that that's the one thing with the advanced directive. But and again, you can get that anywhere. A pulsed, um, as you mentioned, a physician's order for life sustaining treatment is a it's a bright pink form for the state of California. Um, those should be obtained and completed with your physician because that is an informed consent and it really needs somebody in the healthcare, um, it, whether it be a physician, a nurse practitioner, or a PA to complete with the patient because there's some much more detailed questions in the pulse. Um, And and the pulse is not really recommended for everybody. 
It's more for somebody who is frail, who has advanced age, or has a serious progressive illness that might be life-limiting. My question to always ask would be, would I be surprised if this patient died in the next year? And if my answer is no, I wouldn't be surprised because they have so many significant and complicated medical illnesses, then that patient should have a pulse as opposed to an advanced directive. Um, and that does not need to be signed by a witness or a notary. That's signed with the patient themselves and their physician, nurse practitioner, or PA. Uh, the only big difference between the two forms is the pulse does not name decision makers. You are your own decision maker. You are your own spokesperson, and those are your wishes that nobody can take away from you. So now making this all official. And where do you keep it? So if you've done your advanced directive, you've done a pulse, you've discussed with your family, with your physician, all of these bits of information may. Where do you keep it so that if you are somebody who has a terminal illness and you've decided these things, but EMS is called or you you are unconscious and can't speak for yourself, where do you keep it so that everybody knows? That is such a great question because that is something that we um, are faced with a lot of times when patients come to the emergency room because they have these amazing forms that they've taken the time to complete, but nobody knows where to find them and nobody knows that they're they're even completed. The pulse is really encouraged um, to be placed somewhere visible, whether it be by the front door over the patient's area where they're sleeping, so that if EMS is called, they can see that. And um, because it's a physician's order, um, they will honor it. Um, an advanced directive, and, I, and, and, you know, again, copies of these forms are acceptable to bring to the hospital um, if it, an original isn't readily available, but um, it's important to also give copies to your family, um, and, and especially the people in the advanced directive that you're naming your proxy one and proxy two. They, uh, they should have copies for themselves so that they know what your wishes are, um, and anybody that you think might be involved in your care should know what your wishes are, but the pulse, I always recommend putting it into a plastic sleeve um, and putting it somewhere near where you um, sleep or by the front door, especially if we have a patient on hospice. It's important that those things are visible to EMS should they be called in um, by somebody who doesn't know what the patient's wishes are, what the patient's going through. Really such important information. I don't care what age you are, but this is something that we really all need to know, and people don't always want to discuss it. Wrap it up for us, May. Your best advice, what you want people to know about living wills, advanced health care directives, post, really just getting that discussion started, going online, looking up the information. What do you, what do you tell people every day? I, I tell people how important it is to have those forms completed. Um, and you're right, regardless of the age, because unfortunately, death does not discriminate. I lost my husband when he was 43 years old to a motor vehicle accident. And sadly, he did not have wishes put in writing. We had to make those difficult decisions. Your advanced health care directive, your pulse are really a gift to your family um, and to yourself, but m- mostly to your family so that they aren't burdened with having to make those very difficult decisions should uh, an untimely death or an untimely uh, accident, um, you know, come to you. So it's really important to have those things done. Make sure that your friends and family, people who are important to you, know what your wishes are. And when you come to the hospital for anything, make sure you bring those forms with you so we as healthcare professionals are able to respect your wishes 
and are able to carry out those decisions that you've made for yourself and respect your autonomy. Great information. Thank you so much, May, for coming on and really explaining it all so clearly for us and the importance of it. You're listening to It's Your Health Radio with Henry Mayo Newhall Hospital. For more information, please visit henrymayo.com. That's henrymayo.com. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for tuning in.